0: Today is a big day at St. Louis-Lambert International Airport. On June 18, 1920, Major Albert Bond Lambert and the Missouri Aeronautical Society officially inked a lease for 100 acres, 170 acres of farmland in St. Louis County. It was designed to serve as an airfield for St. Louis. Major Lambert had the site cleared, graded, and drained. He built a hangar at his own expense, and then he offered the field to anyone wanting to use it. Eight years later, the city of St. Louis bought the property, and Lambert Airport became one of the first municipal-owned airports in the country. And joining me today to talk about that history is Daniel Rust. He's an author and transportation expert. He's also a former professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis studying transportation and logistics, and he's currently a researcher and professor at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. So, Daniel Rust, welcome to the program.
1: Good afternoon, Sarah.
0: So, Major Albert Bond Lambert, he put the Lambert in Lambert Airport. Who was this guy?
1: A fascinating character and someone who the whole area of St. Louis owes a great debt of gratitude to. He was born in St. Louis, 1875, and was part of the Lambert family. Lambert being a very famous name locally. We think of Listerine, a product of Lambert Pharmacal Company. Hmm. In 1896, Albert Bond Lambert left the University of Virginia became president of the Lambert Pharmacal Company and began to expand its operations into France and Germany. While in France, he meets Alberto Santos Dumont, other early aviators, also competes in the first Olympic Games in golf. And he, that story continues in 1904. brings golf to St. Louis with the Olympics. <laughs> he was also part of the uh, World's Fair in St. Louis as an officer. He takes his first flight in... In France, he starts to do ballooning, becomes a international balloon pilot, licensed pilot. 1907 brings the Gordon Bennett balloon races to St. Louis. And as a board of aldermen, he took his first airplane flight with Orville Wright in 1910. When wow. Orville Wright was here in St. Louis briefly, and also learned to, learn to fly with the Wright organization. In 1910, he helped set up a air meet at Kenlock Park. This is an area that was north of the current airport. So if you go to Interstate 170 and Frost Road, the northwest corner of that is where this uh, was lo- located. And for just a few years, he had an airport right there, more of just a open grassy area and airfield. And that's where uh, Teddy Roosevelt, former President Roosevelt took a flight in 1910, became the first president uh, to take a flight in an airplane. And this was an area that was uh, used by many people but it didn't last real long, uh, a fairly brief period there for that, that airfield. And in uh, 1917, Lambert uh, shows up again with a group uh, called the Missouri Aeronautical Society, training U.S. military pilots for ballooning. Hmm. Over 300 balloon pilots were trained by Lambert and his team during World War I. After the war, Lambert wants to bring airmail to St. Louis. There was an airmail route across the nation between Washington, D.C., uh, actually New York, and all the way to San Francisco. A feeder route was brought into St. Louis from Chicago. And that field for servicing that airmail in St. Louis was in Forest Park. The current Mounted Police ha- uh, uh, stables for their horses was the early hangar for the airmail aircraft, and that building still exists. Hmm. But that at the site had its problems. Uh, a lot of trees... A lot of people around, too hemmed in. And so Lambert says, I want to go somewhere outside of the area and build an airfield that anyone can use and potentially for airmail eventually that is uh, free of obstructions. So he and wanted a him. place
0: free of obstructions. What led him to pick the land that he did?
1: It uh, was far enough away. So he's about 11 miles from downtown. He thought there was good potential there. It was farmland. Mm-hmm. There were very, very few trees at the time in the area. If you see aerial pictures from the 20s and 30s, it was almost all farmland in the area that uh, today where the airport exists. And he he found this site. He was the one who, as you say, inked the lease in June 18th, 1920, acquired the the land, paid the lease for the five years that the lease ran. He had the site cleared at his own expense, graded, drained, built a hangar, and opened it up for anyone to use. The big event was 1923. So Albert Bond Lambert still leasing the property. He attracts the national international air races of 1923 to come to St. Louis. It was an amazing event with aviators from all around the world coming, world speed records being set. Very, very exciting for St. Louis. Hmm. The key thing though, is who showed up at the air races. A young pilot from Minnesota named Charles Lindbergh, ah. who was unknown at the time. He comes, is enthralled with what he sees. Like St. Louis, goes off to the Army, learns to fly, and comes back and then becomes an airmail pilot at uh, at Lambert Airport.
0: And so then uh, that led to the spirit of St. Louis flight in 1927?
1: It certainly did. And without Albert von Lambert, Lindbergh most likely never would have attempted his flight. Lindbergh was the first pilot, the chief pilot, for Robertson Aircraft Company out of Lambert Field. And that was the earliest predecessor of American Airlines. American Airlines dates its earliest routes back to Charles Lindbergh on April 15th, 1926, flying from Chicago to St. Louis. Hmm. And Lindbergh was flying on his route one day and thought, why can't I be the one to compete to fly between New York and Paris nonstop? If I had a really good airplane and a good engine that ran a long time, I could do this myself. All of the other competitors had multiple engines, multiple pilots. That was conventional wisdom. Lindbergh went to A. B. Lambert and said, "I have this idea." And without even asking for money, Lambert said, "I'll give you your first thousand dollars towards your, your cause. I think you I think you're onto something here. I believe in what you're wanting to do." Hmm. And so, with Lambert backing him, others throughout St. Louis business community put money toward him, and the rest is history, as they say. And Lindbergh and, and gratitude to the businessman of St. Louis put the spirit of St. Louis on his airplane. Hmm.
0: That's a great story. And man, this guy Lambert, uh, he sounds like a great guy. And yet um, within eight years of him inking this lease, he he sold this to the city of St. Louis. What, what what was the thinking in that transaction there? Why did they want it and why was he willing to get rid of it?
1: I think in the back of his mind, that was the plan all along. Hmm. He wasn't really wanting to be a, a, a landlord and wanting to, to run this all the time. He was ready to kickstart it, get this going get the airfield established. The air races did wonders for notoriety for St. Louis an Air Center. So more and more businesses coming in. The Robertson brothers had their location there at, at, at Lambert Airport. And the Robertsons are really critical because they weren't just flying airmail, their real business was selling airplanes, airplane parts that were surplus from World War One. And that really got things going that more of an interest in St. Louis as an aviation center. So as when in 1925, when the lease was up, Lambert paid the $68,000 for the property and then asked the city to look toward taking it over. So I want this to be an airport that's owned by the city. I want this to, you know, exist far beyond myself. Hmm. And but it took a, had to have a you know, legal action done and had to have some uh, uh, some acts passed to enable the city to do that even. 1928, a bond issue was passed by the city of St. Louis by a five-to-one ratio. And Lambert then sold the whole airfield at his cost to the city. And the city then bought hundreds of more acres around the the same area about the same time. And the airfield airfield began to grow uh, rapidly from there.
0: So in terms of cities getting in the airport business, um, was St. Louis fairly unique at that point in taking this on?
1: St. Louis was one of the very first to have its own airport that was city owned and operated. The, uh, the very first goes to Atlantic City, New Jersey, hmm. uh, holds that distinction. But there are many other cities that were thinking about it. There was no real, we assume today that major airports are owned by governments or some of them privatized. But in the United States, largely it's gonna be cities or regional authorities that own and operate airports. That wasn't a foregone conclusion at the beginning uh, of this aeronautical era in the early 20th century. But the uh, St. Louis helped set that pattern that uh, municipalities would be the ones to to build and operate and maintain airfields.
0: Hmm. Now, one interesting point here. Lambert, as you say, such a transformational figure in terms of St. Louis's air industry, in terms of the city ending up with an airport. Uh, I understand that at one point in 1970, the airport's name was changed to take his name out of it. That obviously didn't last. Uh, for those of us who weren't here in 1970, w- what happened?
1: So 1970, the airport aspired to have international flights and decided it's time for an upgrade to our name to match our aspirations to be international. So the airport authority decided to change the name officially from uh take municipal out of the airport's name and Lambert out of the name mm-hmm. and rename it to St. Louis International Airport. There was a huge outcry. Hundreds of letters flowed in. Even Charles Lindbergh wrote in and said, How can you do this? Lambert is such a great figure in aviation, even internationally. This is a name that should be associated with the airport uh, forever, and you've you've taken this away. Within months, the airport authority put Lambert's name back on the airport and renamed it Lambert St. Louis International Airport in 1971. It remained that until recent years Mm -hmm. when they flipped around the St. Louis and Lambert to put St. Louis first, uh, more for marketing. Because internationally now you think of Lambert and they'll say, well, who or what is that? But with St. Louis being first, it's, oh, I understand. That's a city in the United States. Mm -hmm. And And there wasn't any outcry when when that
0: happened. People, I think, were ready for the flip at that point. But it's interesting to think of this outcry um, in 1970. Were these St. Louisans who were were so appreciative of what he'd done? Or was this more something where the flying community uh, mobilized to preserve that legacy? Uh,
1: Definitely both. But primarily, it was St. Louisans. Hmm. Lambert was such a really big name, and A.B. Lambert, a significant citizen. Uh, he was the head of the, uh, the police commissioners throughout the 1930s in St. Louis. He was on the board of aldermen. He was on the airport board for, for decades. Um, he didn't die in 1946, that's when he passed away. And even then, he was still a very public figure and pushing St. Louis to be better, to think big. He was always looking for St. Louis to expand its presence uh, nationally, internationally. In fact, even months before he passed away, he wrote a piece about how the airport should be a place for connections, not just with passengers and air mail and air freight, but railroads and motor carrier lines should all converge and have a multimodal hub in St. Louis. And he was really ahead of his time in his thinking, thinking big in transportation.
0: Mm -hmm. We're talking to Daniel Rust. He's an author and transportation expert. Um, He's currently a researcher and professor at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. Daniel, I understand you consider the 1950s to be the heyday for this particular airport. What was going on um, at Lambert Airport back then?
1: The 1950s were really a high point. Uh, If you look at the airport in the 1940s, the existing terminal was built in 1933. It was outdated. It was too small. Aircraft were getting bigger. The jets were going to come soon in the late 1950s. And this, St. Louis realized it needed to do something to upgrade the airport if it wished to remain a significant hub for, for air air travel. So early 1950s, uh, James S. McDonnell, some McDonnell aircraft building airplanes across the, the runway. there at Lambert Airport. McDonnell purchased a lot of the... the property that it was using from the city. And so about $10 million comes into the city from that. Hmm. The city turns around and puts in a 10,000-foot runway. It's the main runway still used today at Lambert Airport. And so when the jets came in the late 50s, Lambert Airport was ready. One of the few airports in the nation to have a runway of that size ready and waiting for, for these large jet uh, commercial jet liners. Also, for a new terminal, St. Louis thought big. And it had Manuro Yamasaki, a renowned designer who was quite young at the time, design the terminal. 1956, it was completed and dedicated. It's the existing terminal one today. Yamasaki's design was pathbreaking. He used a concrete uh, shell as the, the roof. And so it allows for big open airy spaces. Today there are four of those domes connected that makes up terminal one. And it's iconic. In 1956, architects around the world gave it quite renown. It's just an amazing building, very pathbreaking. And so when the jet age came in the late 50s, St. Louis was ready, mm-hmm. had a wonderful terminal, had the long runway and was good to go. Also, the Yamasaki is most famous for the World Trade Center Twin Towers that fell on uh, 9-11. That was sort of his crowning achievement uh, building those.
0: Hmm. So St. Louis is, is thinking big. And as you say, Lambert was so ahead of its time. It sounds like the people running the airport were, were wildly ahead of their time. Uh, there's certainly a perception today that that airport has fallen behind. Uh, do you share that thought?
1: I really don't share that, uh, that thought. I've flown through Lambert many, many times, and I think the uh, the upgrades that have happened in recent years have done wonders. It's a really a pleasant airport to go through. The infrastructure is built out. We've got some great runway infrastructure. There is room to grow, and the great potential for for Lambert Airport. And I think it's being used as much as possible today, given the current environment. But it's uh, perennially look back over Lambert Airport's history. It's been an embattled airport. Mm an airport that people said, oh, it's in the wrong place or, oh, it's too small, it can't keep up to date. And that's been an issue throughout the years. Even Lindbergh back in late 1920s said, you need an airport, a different place, maybe closer to downtown. Um, He wasn't right because there's bigger airplanes, need more space to be further from downtown. The 1940s, the city actually purchased almost 4,000 acres in Columbia Bottom. It's near the confluence of the Missouri-Mississippi rivers to build a new airport. To replace Lambert, but it was not a good site. It it floods. Those of you in the (laughs) region know that's a bad area to build an airport. It floods quite frequently, so they uh, they abandoned that. But the idea came back again in 1970 when uh, the governor of Illinois and the mayor of St. Louis got together and proposed a new airport over on the Illinois side, down by Columbia and Waterloo, Illinois. And this airport would be 18,000 acres, be half the size of the city of St. Louis, huh. have six runways, be a massive regional airport. And this became a, f- a firestorm politically between Missouri and Illinois, who was for it, who was against it. What to do with Lambert, the airport, the airport uh, tenants, the airline said, how are we going to keep, keep up with Lambert and have our, our resources going toward this new airport? The federal government weighed in and said that they would, would help fund this, actually put their stamp of approval on it in the uh, late in the uh, Carter administration, late in the Ford administration, rather. Uh, But when President Carter comes to office, it uh, quietly went away. It was was Mm -hmm. taken out of federal plans, and the, the issue died there, and Lambert remained the airport for the region as it does to this day.
0: So as, as you say, just this history of being embattled. And, and honestly, I think that that continues to this day. Um, we asked our listeners how they would describe Lambert if they had to use five words or less. Some followed directions. Uh, some exceeded that. But it was interesting. I feel like some of our older listeners were very down on it. Um, Yale said, for example, sad without Trans World Airlines. People really miss having that hub. Um, one of our other listeners, uh, Betsy, said it's grossly underdeveloped and antiquated. Um, On the other hand, we also heard from some some other listeners who were just passionately defending this. Um, Reese said, I have flown into and out of hundreds of airports in the USA and the entire world. Darn good would be my evaluation. Anything can be improved, but it will be worse if privatized and more expensive. And that leads right into the most popular answer that we got on Twitter, which is not for sale. Now, the push to lease the airport to a for-profit vendor, this really flared up. Um, in the last couple years, it's again a hot subject at St. Louis City Hall, and the group that opposes that is called STL Not for Sale. So I think people were referencing that there. Um, one note today: uh, Aldermanic President Louis Reed has introduced a bill to again uh, bring this privatization issue up. He wants to take it to the voters, and this STL Not for Sale group was planning to take a hundred-year birthday cake to City Hall this afternoon to present to him. Uh, but I'm curious about your thoughts on this idea of privatizing this long embattled airport. Um, do you think that would be uh, something that would be good for it? Daniel?
1: I really don't think it'd be a good idea to privatize it. And, and a, a, a side point is with voting, it'd be the city of St. Louis citizens voting, correct? That's right. Is just that, city residents. I've, I'm out of the loop. I think it'd be a, a city vote. Right. So if, this goes back to of the airport, to have a city enclave in the middle of the county. Those who are not from St. Louis would understand the, the politics of that and the issues that creates, but the this issue of having a giant patch of city in the middle of the county, and that's been a, an issue throughout the decades, where think of Bridgeton in the 1990s saying, how dare you take our land that we have no say in it. You're the city and we're part of the county. Uh, this has continued to be an issue, and so I think that will continue here if we have citizens in the city voting to privatize a regional asset that the city owns. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally think it's time to have more of a regional governance, a uh, regional body, kind of like what Minneapolis and St. Paul uh, do in, in Minnesota, where it's, it's not owned by any city, it's more of a regional authority that, that runs it and, and owns it. Even though airports run very well today, I've been very impressed with, with how it's been run and doing, uh, but it's as far as just the political side, and I think uh, with, with the current controversy, I think the allure the of a large one-time payout uh, and a windfall to the city is just too, uh, too alluring.
0: Hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that push to, to make this a regional governance, certainly St. Charles uh, County Executive Steve Elvin, he would certainly support what you're saying here. There's some people that, that would like to get in on that. And, you know, that's an ongoing debate that we're going to have to stay on top of. But Daniel, in our, our last couple minutes here with you, um, I'm curious what the importance of this airport is. If you look at the history and you look at the municipal ownership, what's your big takeaway as you look back on that 100 years?
1: That you have the same location that was picked in 1920, that's still that same piece of property, vastly expanded, is still the major commercial airport for the entire St. Louis region. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, very few other places in the country can can have that. We think of Atlanta or Denver or Dallas-Fort Worth. They went out and built new airports in the mid-20th century. We didn't do that in St. Louis. We kept that same place and expanded it. And so to have continuous aviation activity from 1920 till 2020 for 100 years is really significant. And not just commercial air flights, but manufacturing. Over 10,000 airplanes have been built at Lambert in the last century. To have the very first air traffic controller, 1929, was at Lambert. Uh, The oldest, the largest airline in the world, American Airlines, dates back to Lambert Airport. There's so many things that are significant about Lambert and something to celebrate today that St. Louis has this distinction.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you make quite a passionate case for this airport, and it's great to hear about just all this history. It does seem remarkable how much happened on that one patch of land. So, Daniel Rust of the University of Wisconsin-Superior, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.